This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, another two for Green Book and Burning. Korea in the back of a car. We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello. Good frosty evening. And a happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah night one. Yeah. Uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler for a review, and then jump back into the other movie topics. This is episode 346, 346. One away from 345. It's cool. It's not an ugly redheaded stepchild. Yeah, sure. One <laughs> <laughs> um, this week we're doing another double episode. We're talking Green Room. No, sorry, sorry. We're not, talk- not Green Room. Not green room. <laughs> I wrote it down. That's like the first time too. <laughs> Patrick Stewart is not a neo-Nazi in this one. All right. We're doing another. We're, we're doing another double episode this week. We're talking Green Book and Burning, two films that I don't think could be any more apart from each other. But here we are. I would. I would agree with you. <laughs> But yeah, we're we're talking Green Book, which I think is a, fairly well known as far as what it is and uh, what it covers, and Burning, which for those that are not aware is a uh, South Korean drama slash mystery um, that's uh, been in like limited release and it's mm-hmm. very well reviewed and we wanted to uh, wanted to cover that film. Um, yeah, I mean, right now is a time of year in which a lot of small movies are coming out, and we love small movies, small independent movies that don't get a lot of airplay yeah we're trying to kind of plug in a lot of stuff in between now and you know before the end of the year so that's why we're doing a lot of double episodes recently and uh, we don't have technically official guests right now but we might have some pop-ins when we get to our our main reviews so we'll see this, this is something that we're trying new yeah <laughs> i we, like it we, we kind of teased it with the 300 episode and everyone's just popping in i mean that was a fun episode everyone had a great uh, I, I loved everyone's anecdotes on that one mm. but uh yeah, let's uh let's do some show notes real quick. First up, easy stuff. Uh, new commentary track. It's up for Toy Story right now. Um, but that was November. Yeah, it's December now. So yeah, that means we're gonna do a new commentary track at some point. Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. Well, we'll we'll see. Probably probably not. <laughs> probably not. No. Uh, but we'll see. We'll 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 see what we figure out. It's the first December in three years that hasn't been a Star Wars movie. So that means that we don't have to do a Star Wars commentary because we already did one earlier this year. So. I mean, at one point, we're going to run through all of them anyway. Yeah, it's, we'll, we'll have them all done at some point, but um, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll get a new commentary. We'll figure that out in the uh, weeks to come. Uh, what else? iTunes, reviews, and ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps people, helps other people find our show. Helps us pop us up on the old iTunes chart. So good to get those. Ring in the new year with an episode uh, rating. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's get to some Novabody. We each week we ask each other a question or two. Try to set the tone of the podcast. We better get to know no, everybody. everybody. That was good. Wasn't bad. That was good. I have a question for you. Yes, hit it. Have you ever been to the South? Um, how far south? The deep south? I haven't been to Louisiana, you know, those states, Louisiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, the Carolinas. I've been to Texas cuz I have family in Texas. Does that count? Because that feels like the South, but some people would call it Texas because it's its own thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess when you say Deep South, it, seems it tends to refer more to like Mississippi and over 
Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my reference point. But geographically speaking, Texas is the most southern state, maybe in fighting with Florida. But have you? I have not been to the south. I'm trying to think. If I, have I? <laughs> no. Sure. <laughs> I'm making sure. I'm trying to think. I, no, I don't believe I have. Okay. You know what? My question is very similar. Yeah, what have was you your question? To, have you been to South Korea? <laughs> no. I've not, okay. <laughs> not been to South Korea. Have you been to South Korea? On the layover to Japan, but I did not leave the airport. So technically, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's how you play. No, no everybody. everybody. All right. Let's move on. I don't know quickies. Yep. Each week, each week, each week, each week, each week, Trademark. That was very good. I sped through it. Yeah, but I, I just like the way that you did it last week, which is just, uh, you know, a mumble here or there. Yeah, well, you know, you get it done. <laughs> Hashtag get her done. <laughs> yeah, deep down. <laughs> hey, have you seen any other movies recently? I have not yet seen any other movies recently, even though I have uh, a few movie passes that I need to get rid of. Okay. Yeah. That being said, I've been watching a lot of sports, but that doesn't count. We're not a sports show yet. <laughs> How about you? You have, you have your own podcast for that. Which we haven't done in a while. <laughs> We've been busy. <laughs> um, I saw the film Mirai. Um, this is the uh, uh, yes the, the new anime uh, from uh, Mamoru Hasada, who uh, did uh, what The Girl Who Lived Through Time and... Um, What's the other Wolf Children, which you, I think you saw recently, didn't you? Yeah. By the way, have you seen both of those? I have seen the Girl We Love Through Time, and I've seen Summer Wars. But I haven't okay. seen Wolf Children. You told me about okay. Wolf Children. Yeah, I've seen Wolf. Yeah, Children. Wolf. I mean, I I seem to be in the minority of Wolf Children with thinking that it's it's a good movie. It's just a little bit uh, overly dramatic, but uh, that's just me. Maybe I was just in a foul mood. Everyone seems to love it, but uh, I do appreciate the story that it's telling. Uh, but anyhow, uh, Mirai. Yeah, this one, uh, it's about a, uh, it's about this four-year-old kid. Um, his parents, his mother, like he just had an, another, another baby, and so now he's dealing with like, oh, now I'm, you know, my, the attention's not going to me as much. And in the midst of his pouting, he goes into his backyard, to his garden, and strange things start happening where relatives of his from different time periods, including both the past and future, start to visit him. Um, what is this including uh, a teenage version of his new younger sister um and so it's it's kind of episodic in that way where like he just like meets with some of his random family members from the past and the future um and then eventually kind of there's more of a plot that forms and whatnot and so it has this kind of adventure quality to it it reminded me a lot of something like ponyo um as far as seeing like miyazaki like scale back from more adults epics and do something that's a little more like family friendly because that's what this film really feels like it's certainly a you know an all ages type anime um and hasada's films you know they they tend to have a more mature feel um and so this is like this is this feels like a more personal story that's all that also happens to be kind of like family friendly and it's good okay it's quite good it's well animated it looks great um the, the score is really good like so yeah it has a it's it's very appealing for sure is it a long movie no it's like it's like a hour 40 maybe hmm. Hmm, okay if that with credits so, so yeah oh, it's a good where did you have how did you happen to see it 
Uh, I had a screener, but I know it's it's okay. it's currently um, it was like one of the few movies that opened this week, and obviously in, in somewhat limited release. Um, but yeah, that's another thing. Not many movies open this week, which is why we're yeah. Out. That's that's kind of kind of a uh, which led it to this led up to this. Yeah, none of us wanted to talk uh, the possession of Hannah Grace, <laughs> so we're like, yeah, let's uh, let's get some other. I I was kind of uh, I, I, when that trailer came on, I was watching some television. That trailer came on, and I thought to myself. Is this a movie? Because I don't ever remember hearing about this. And apparently, uh, you know, maybe they just started doing promotions a week in advance. But it didn't seem as though it was going to be something that was going to be a favorite of ours to talk about. Yeah. And I mean, the week after Thanksgiving, before like the blockbusters start hitting again, it tends to be pretty light on uh, new releases. Um, I'd imagine. For whatever reason, because 10 movies open between like the 14th and christmas and it's like maybe we could have moved one of those (laughs) yeah let's let's put aquaman bumblebee and mary poppins all on the same day let's see how that goes but uh (laughs) by the way did you watch um the nutcracker movie the the one that came out uh, recently yeah you did yeah okay it's good it was fine like okay i i enjoyed it i it's i recognize its flaws and i don't need to see it again but like for like the one time watch, well, like oh no, it, it delivered what I pretty much expected, which was like Morgan Freeman and the gang like do their job, and the production design is pretty wonderful. So. I like how you call them the gang. Yeah, Morgan Freeman and the gang. It's his band. <laughs> Mirren's on drums. <laughs> oh wait, this is Red Three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why'd you think of that movie? <laughs> because no, because you had mentioned that there's a ton of movies that came out, and that was one that they were doing a lot of promotion for, free to see in in a um, a more upscale theater like a Dolby theater or in an IMAX. Um, and it kind of came and went because, like what you mentioned, there are a lot of movies that have come out before pre Thanksgiving and post Thanksgiving, and and it's just continued to to onslaught. I mean, I'm still behind by I'd say like four or five movies that um, you've already talked about on the show, but also just ones that come, have come out in ultra-limited release that I have yet to check out. And so um, I hope to play catch-up uh, as the weeks progress because friend of the show, Mike Dillon, he's uh, he's asking us to put a little list together. I know, yeah. So you gotta you got to get on that. you got to clear some <laughs> clear some time out, get some movies in. <laughs> I, uh, Roger that. Yeah. I saw Vice as well, but I'm not going to talk about that just yet. Oh, boo! I'm, I'm, I really want to see that. That looks. Whenever I, whenever I'm watching that trailer now, I, I immediately think, is that Dick Cheney on the screen? So Christian Bale, good on you. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts when we, when we see it and eventually talk about it because it opens, I think, wide Christmas Day. So you know. Did you read the article about Adam McKay having a heart attack and how Christian Bale kind of knew the, the symptoms of a heart attack, so okay. he was able to. Like McKay, yeah, McKay, McKay felt he was like going to have one, and he knew that because of how Bale performed one of some of Cheney's several heart attacks. So, right. And so he got he got so he good got, on you for method acting. He got things looked at, uh, <laughs> and you know, handled something before something happened. Um, I mean, this is what uh, this is what having friends in Hollywood does to you, I guess. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, so Mariah, it's pretty good. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and that was on Oquis. Let's move on now. Let's get to our movie, tra- our trailer talk. We talk about one of the newest trailers of the week when it's coming out and what we thought of it, what have you. I know there's been versions of this trailer for a while. I know the latest one came out this week for a Welcome to Marwin, 
the upcoming Robert Zemeckis drama featuring Steve Carell, um, who stars as Mark Hogenkamp. Um, mm-hmm. And the story, it's like there was a documentary, a Marwin Call, um, that like goes over this exact thing. But basically, Carell's character, he's a victim of like an assault, and he begins constructing what like miniature, like World War II miniatures to. Right. Yeah. He basically creates his own little. Exactly. Yeah. He creates like a a small town and he creates all these figures that help piece together his, his story, his life. So it kind of helps him cope with, uh, with the events that have happened to him. Have you seen Marwin call? I have not, but, um, I looked up the photography because he, there was an article, there were some articles written about his photography because he's been taking photos of these figurines. Mm -hmm. So I looked up those photos after I had, I learned about this trailer and, um, but I haven't seen the documentary. Have you? I have not. I've heard a lot of good things about it. There are people that have that see this trailer and are like, oh, I really like the documentary. So it's, it could go either way. And that, so with this trailer, what do you think of the trailer? Because I, 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 I have a lot of I have different thoughts about it. Because on the yeah. one hand, it could be like something like really special because Robert Zemeckis can deliver. And on the other hand, it could be like an ambitious mess, which is what it kind of seems like it's leaning towards. So you're you're thinking of, uh, what, was, what was the movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and the, the Two Walk. Towers? The Walk, where it was kind of ambitious, but kind of like a, an all right movie yeah. uh, versus something like, I don't know, I guess you could say Forrest Gump or his his Back to the Future type stuff, I where mean, it could be. I mean, The Walk, the problem there, well, the main problem was Man on Wire is just a brilliant documentary. So it's like I didn't need a movie. As I've heard. And, and also, it doesn't lend itself to anything except for the IMAX 3D format that he shot it in. So it's like if you don't see it there. I don't see a reason of like watching it just like regular on like, you know, your TV or your iPhone or whatever. It's like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> there's like, there's no sense of like the scale and the the work that was done to recreate that. It's like, it's impressive to watch in an IMAX screen in the, you know, ideal setting. Similar to like, I don't know, like Billy Lynn's long time, half walk, long half time walk. I like, still feel rotten that I didn't see that in 120 frames per second. It's like, I don't know what there is that's special about watching that outside of Ang Lee's like, take you know effort to make yeah his his vision yeah Yeah. like the director's actual vision of trying to put something on the screen is what they want you to see and if you don't see it in that format then is it even worth it and i'd say that mm -hmm. you know i guess that it is worth it but at the same time you know you should definitely try and see things um in in the format that they that they are intended to be in with that in mind what do you think of this trailer for welcome to marwin i'm a little mixed on it i think that there's a good story there um and i think krell I mean, Carell's been doing a lot of dramatic work um, mixed with, like, you know, subtle comedy stuff for a while now. Um, and I think he's really transitioned into becoming an actor kind of thing, which is great because I think he's still a funny guy. Uh, but as far as the trailer goes, I, I, if it's a story of redemption, um, I think that they kind of give you a lot of that in the trailer. And so I'm curious to see how they're going to deal with the aspect of the figurines and creating that world because we've seen movies like this before. The one thing that I thought about was Anomalisa when I was looking at this, um, you know, figurines that uh, Charlie Kaufman had made and they're telling a story. And uh, with regard to Zemeckis, I know Zemeckis likes to try things out. I mean, he's been trying things out for a long time. He's, he's one of those people that I really appreciate in Hollywood. I mean, he did, what was that? Uh, Hollywood movie with Tom Hanks, uh, Christmas movie. I'm sorry, with Tom Hanks. The Polar, uh, his Polar, Polar Express. Polar Express. And then Express, the rest yeah. of his like motion capture, like the yeah, Christmas like he did, Carol he did and Beowulf, the, right? And Beowulf, which is awesome. Yeah, which is <laughs> yeah, which is actually crazy good for 
like uh, this animated movie, which you should not take kids to go see. <laughs> but for the most part, I like that Zemeckis tries these things out. I'm not sure if what I'm going to see is going to be anything that really blows me away because I feel like they're giving a lot of tells in the trailer. So I'm on the fence about it. Do you What's like, driving me do you are the like people the look, that are making it. Do you like the look of it? I don't like the look of the the real life of it. Does that make sense? Like when Steve Carell is being the character, I actually like the more of the figurines that's and what being I'm asking. In... I don't care. Yeah, of course, whatever with real people. I mean, the look of the figurines. Yes, that's what I'm yeah, asking. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, for sure. Because what I'm saying is when you're seeing them in, operate in the real world, it doesn't seem all that out of the ordinary. But the look of the figurines, I'm down with it. It reminds me of that Nissan commercial, but. Uh, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. And I like the people that are involved with it, the actors and the, and the uh, directors. Yeah. There's certainly like a cast here and it looks ambitious visually. I'm just, I, I, it's hard to tell <laughs> like how successful this is going to be. And like, I get worried because it's like this, it hasn't been like touring festivals or anything, but it is like a big release. So it doesn't necessarily need to. So it's like, I feel like if it was really good, it'd probably be, you know, there'd probably be more buzz about it, but all I'm getting is just trailers and like could be it could be secretly good and like a variety of different trailers i mean there's three trailers for this movie it's like it feels like if this is a solid premise you could probably sell with one trailer i know what you mean yeah. and i i don't really think that has been i mean this has been we're late to the game on this trailer this trailer's been out for a couple months now yeah i, I you know it, it, they made a newer one this week and once again it just kind of it's another version of how to explain what this movie is it's like okay We'll see what happens. Yeah, do you think that's because people are might be confused as to what they're going to be watching? I think so. Be... I think because it's probably going to like, well, it has Steve Carell, so is it funny? And it has weird, yeah, exactly. Net things. Is that supposed to be like adventurous or is it? A, right. and, and but it's about this guy who's a victim of like a hate crime. So like, is it a, right. is it a drama? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's... so I think the new trailer that they cut definitely gives you more of the dramatic side of things. Mm-hmm. Well, it's got drama man Steve Carell in it, so I mean, <laughs> we'll see what happens. He was great in uh, The Way Way Back. He's so mean. I didn't like him. <laughs> True. Yeah. Well, Welcome to Marwin opens theaters uh, uh, Christmas uh, on uh, December 21st. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Cool. And now let's get to our let's get to our main or our first of two reviews for Green Book. Yeah. Some guy called over here, a doctor. He's looking for a driver. You interested? I am not a medical doctor. I'm a musician. I'm about to embark on a concert tour in the Deep South. What other experience do you have? Public relations. Do you foresee any issues in working for a black man? You and the Deep South? There's gonna be problems. Promise me you're gonna write me a letter. No problems. Tell me that don't smell better. I've never had fried chicken in my life. You people love the fried chicken. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. I'm the way I know. We'll be interacting with some of the wealthiest people in the country. It is my feeling that your addiction Oof. could use some finessing. Fanaba, why are you breaking my balls? Because you can do better, Mr. Balalonga. Dolores. I saw Dr. Shirley play the piano. He's like a genius, I think. Come on, take it easy. I prefer not to get grease on my blanket. Ooh, I'm gonna get grease on my blanket. This gentleman says that I'm not permitted to dine here. I'm afraid not. How does he smile and shake their hands like that? Because it takes courage to change people's hearts. 
What are you doing? A lot of May I? Dear Dolores, sometimes you remind me of a house. You know this is pathetic, right? Put this down. The distance between us is breaking my spirit. Falling in love with you was the easiest thing I have ever done. P.S. Kiss the kids. That's like clanging a cowbell at the end of Shostakovich's which is the seventh. And that's good. It's perfect, Tony. And I'm gonna... Come on, get out now. You never win with violence. You only win when you maintain your dignity. You don't know your own people. You, Mr. Big Shot, doing concerts for rich people. So if I'm not black enough, and if I'm not white enough, then tell me, Tony, what am I? Don't you call me? Anyone can sound like Beethoven. But your music, what you do, only you can do that. What do we do about the bones? We do this. <laughs> <laughs> Pick it up, Tony. Squirrels would eat it anyway. Pick it up. That should have been some of the trailer for Green Book. This tells the story of a true friendship as famed jazz pianist Don Shirley, played by Mahershala Ali, hires Tony Lip, played by Viggo Mortensen, a Copacabana bouncer, to be his driver during a tour in the Deep South. The two seem to be worlds apart, only to grow in appreciation for one another. The film is directed by Peter Fairley, best known for his co-directing work with his brother, Bobby Fairley, uh, but now he's in dramatic territory. And joining us now to discuss Green Book, we have, from League of Entertainment, it's Mr. Scott Menzel. Hello, hello. How is everyone tonight? Doing well. Doing well. How, how are you Thank doing? You. Very good, very good. Very excited to talk about Green Book. Good. Well, glad to have you uh, pop in here uh, to, to join our <laughs> join our show for this review. And um, with that said, what did you think of Green Book? Oh, I, I really loved it. Um, I remember seeing it at the Toronto International Film Festival. And it's, it's kind of funny because it was programmed later in the festival after most of the press already left. And usually that means that the movie's not that great. But in this case, uh, it turned out to be a huge surprise. And I think it went on to win the audience award at the festival. And um, I mean, it was one of my favorites to come out of Toronto this year. And I, I love seeing a film. And I know this is, you know, it, it's weird to talk about this, but to have a movie that deals with race uh, and kind of like, you know, showcasing like racism in the South and just 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 this idea that we we don't always see eye to eye and done in a way that's very feel good and entertaining i think that's very rare and it felt very refreshing to see hey what do you think of green book so i didn't see it at a festival and i didn't see it when they were programming it but i too <laughs> was quite delighted when i saw it because i had seen the trailer i know of this movie and i thought to myself oh okay it's another movie about people from different worlds that come together that learn that they're not all that different. What I loved about it is it doesn't beat you over the head with these themes. It doesn't say, hey, by the way, you know, the South, it, there's no dramatic music when they're driving through the South um, and seeing all these uh, people and having these interactions with, um, you know, uh, people that, that aren't so nice to you. Um, and quite honestly, Viggo Mortensen, he plays a guy who in the first 10 minutes, I was like, okay, this accent's really 
Vigo, I, you're a great actor, but this is really killing. And then as the movie progressed, I was like, I like this guy. Vigo is a really good method actor here. He's doing the hand gestures. He's getting all like he's. It sounds like he actually speaks Italian when he speaks Italian. And it's not like a Buongiorno style, like in Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> and again, what I liked about it is the themes that they present to you. We all know that racism is fucking terrible and it's bad. And so this movie says, everybody knows this. Let's show how camaraderie, bravery, courage, friendship bleeds through these things. And I honestly did not want this movie to end. I know that sounds cliche, but I love their friendship on the screen. And it really like warmed my heart to some degree. I mean, at, at points, I was just thinking to myself, man, this is a really cool friendship. And I really want to learn more about this. Um, the performances, I think, are really, really good. And what I like about it is not one-sided. Viggo Mortensen's yeah. an idiot with a heart of gold. Um, and it's not as though he doesn't have life lessons to give to Mahershala Ali's character. Um, and Mahershala, Mahershala Ali's character is not beating Viggo Mortensen down with things with themes of like, hey, you know, black people were oppressed for like hundreds of years and this and this and this. It's more like, hey, can you work on your diction and your enunciation? Because it would really improve your own stature if you did these things. And I like that exchange. I really like that there was like what Scott was saying. It kind of isn't something that you would normally see per se, but it was a really, really good heartfelt movie. I thought the script was well done. I thought that the acting was phenomenal. I thought that the direction, there's other, there's really only one shot that I thought was really an, a great shot, but you know, it was, it was well done. It was, it was comprehensible. And uh, by the end of it, I felt as though there actually was this strong bond, uh, regardless of you not being able to see you know, fights at the YMCA or f- how Mahershala um, Lee's character got into a bar and then got beat up. It's not as though you need to see these things. Um, it's more about what happens afterward and, and the growth of these two individuals. So I was really, really taken aback by the way that they portrayed this because it's not something that you normally typically would see in a movie like this. So I really, really liked it. I mean, I would definitely watch it again. It's a very smooth, easy go. So I have watched it again because I, I watched it uh, last night. <laughs> I have the screener. Lucky you. I have the screener for it. And I'm like, oh, I saw this a while ago now. Might as well brush up on it. And I saw it. Um, and uh, I think this might be the first time the, th- the three of us, which means uh, Scott Menzel included, we all agree on something. It seems like it seems, <laughs> yes, like, yes. It seems like whenever we have Scott on, we're always kind of at odds about the, whatever movie we're talking. But, um, <laughs> no, this time, yeah, I was... Uh, I was very much into how this movie chose to portray the story of a true friendship, which is very cheesy, but you know what? The movie works, so I don't mind the trailer. Right. Um, I would say I was perhaps the most apprehensive as far as what I was getting into, just because these kind of movies can go a very different way as far as basically the things that you're happy with, Abe, as far as what it chose not to do, as far as beating you over the head with the message of racism right. being bad or making it too saccharine or any number of things that tilted to the side of like the blind side or movies like that and now it does share common elements with movies that do you know feature a a, you know a black character and a white character and how they get along in a time of struggle or whatnot but i like how the movie does handle it here i like that both characters are flawed um yeah, neither of them are perfect. Um, Don Shirley, more so, not more so, but like, you know, he's a person that you could easily see as being like this prim and proper man who has very little to go against him. And yet that's not the case here. He's a guy that drinks. He's a guy that has family issues, uh, regardless of 
what his uh, relatives uh, reportedly have said in true life about Don Shirley. But, you know, for the sake of the movie, um, I think right. they, they, they define these characters quite well. And it comes down to both the writing and the acting. And you're absolutely right. Viggo yeah. Mortensen and Marshall Lee, they're both very good here. Mortensen in particular has to, you know, adopt this whole accent um, and make this larger than life character, you know, work as a relatable person. And he is because he's Viggo Mortensen and he tends to be very good at things. So it's hard to, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to feel bad about like how big his Italian is because like, no, that's, it feels pretty authentic to what he's trying to kind sure. of go with. And meanwhile, Marshall Ali, you know, there's, I can, I can see where some people have gripes with it. I can see where that comes from as far as having it be from like Tony Lip's perspective and what it's try what it what it's doing and where certain accusations come from as far as you know showing how a white guy that's like kind of racist becomes not racist like I can see how that can be problematic in some eyes but I think it fits the tone of this movie like I, Peter Farrelly's not putting this movie together to be like let's make this you know this this big um statement movie about the nature of racism in the 60s is more like no this is we're trying to show a story about a friendship for one thing so we don't need to encompass every single aspect of the jim crow south era um and yeah it so it works on a kind of a family appeal level and so you you can have a, a wide audience watch a movie like this and appreciate it because for one thing it's very funny like we're not talking about that enough like it's a good yeah like it's a good road trip movie and there's right. drama to be had but it's a very funny movie um and funny, right right yeah and funny in a way where it's it's similar to what the Fairleys, what the Fairley brothers have done what i like about a lot of the Fairley brothers movies is that they have heart to them uh, the worst ones are the ones that don't that the ones that feel mean which is very feels is generally very uncharacteristic of the Fairley brothers because they have despite how you know raunchy some of their movies can be there tends to be a, a you know a, a warm core to them which is why things like kingpin i really like because in addition to all the shenanigans that are going on it tells a story about a loser who's trying to find himself and it's a really it's a really good character drama with woody harrelson <laughs> in, yeah. in addition to being a story about a guy with one hand who bowls so it's like this movie obviously it's a different direction because yeah it doesn't have wild elements such as that it's about these two guys in this you know in this era but it works like it's a it's a it's a solid road trip movie that has a nice message it has good performances it it looks good um i wouldn't say barely necessarily needs to be up there with the others for like a best director nomination but like it's certainly it's certainly well put together enough to make it a very enjoyable piece well Agreed. i would also i would also like to add that you know the a lot of the criticism that kind of come out about this movie mm-hmm. um and, it, and it's not like i i feel like it's one one outlet that's reporting the story and then everyone's kind of picking up on it so it's kind of really hard to believe whether or not this is true or not but you know i've did i've done interviews with the cast and i've listened to them talk about it and the writer and peter and everyone and the what i've always heard about this is that Dr. Shirley did not want this story to be told until after his passing. And really? that's a, that's a big, big factor that I feel like a lot of people are like miss, you know, not, not including in their coverage when they try to like, hmm. I don't know, say bad things about this movie. And then what's, which is also interesting is the fact what you brought up earlier, Aaron, is that there's this conversation like, Oh, his family, 
doesn't approve of this movie. They won't even see the movie. And it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that in the movie, there's a scene where Dr. Shirley is talking about how he doesn't really talk to anyone in his family. So right. I'm kind of really I'm, I'm kind of torn on what to believe in this case scenario. To me, it seems like there's just a certain group of uh, like, I, I guess, a website or two that have for some reason have something against this movie. And they just want to, like, take it down. Um, Okay. I don't know. I don't know if that's a controversial thing to say, but it's kind of interesting because having having talked to, you know, Nick, who is actually like Tony Lip was his father and like him saying that, like, he has all the tapes and all this stuff and all this like these letters and all these things. It seems like a little bit of a stretch that he would be making this up where clearly he could just, you know, kind of show these details. And the fact that if you look online at anything about Dr. Shirley, there's very little information about him, mm. period. Like, there's so, no, like, I try to research it and there's not yeah. much. Forgive my ignorance. What is the backstory? The family didn't want it because they, they felt as though it's it's disingenuous to to, do- to, to Doc. Well, yeah, because it the the uh, the gist of these articles is that like because in the movie he says like he he like has a, he doesn't talk to his brother. And, right. Yeah. Like, and like he, he never he's got ate, his own demons. And to he, fight. Like, never, and he never ate fried chicken before, and he didn't know mm-hmm. about like little Richard Aretha Franklin. Like that's in the movie. His family says basically like the reverse of that, where like he did know these things, and he has had sure. fried chicken before, and okay. whatnot, and what have you. And it, I mean, we don't need to get too far into who's no, no, no absolutely. Know, it's, it's, what, I mean, I'm but, just but asking. It's, coming, it's coming, yeah, no. or is it deep stuff? Yeah, I mean, you could search it and look at it and see what you think. Sure. At the same I'll time, at the same time, I mean, it's it's a mix of yes, we're in a competitive award season, and sites that want to get those clicks are going to find the things that they can to put stuff out there, regardless of validity or what have you. But it's you know. It's not quite our place, and I, I think what I want to do to get back to the film itself is, sure, yeah. regardless of accuracy, um, and this is where we emphasize. Does it you know, work for what it does? Exactly, yes. and, and, I, and I and I agree mm-hmm. that it does. I think this. I think the movie does too. a. I think the movie does a fantastic job, kind of like what Abe was talking about, of just making you feel good. It doesn't beat you over the head with these themes. It just kind of hints on it. And, um, you know, I like that because you don't need everything spelled out for you. You know what you know, the time period in which this movie takes place. They they set it up and you know that the racism's there, that, you know, that there's an issue with social class. And I love how the film even addresses issues of social class and just the two different personalities, like you were saying, of Tony versus Dr. Shirley. Like one is very respectable. And even when he's being like told that he can't do something, he tries to hold back. He doesn't want confrontation. And Tony is the other way where he's just like he's so used to being like from New York, being a bouncer is like, no, you don't let the let some someone talk to you like that doc you know you right. have to you have to stand up for yourself and i think it, it does a great job of showing both sides of the equation and how each yeah. of them were raised and you know their background is different i, I just and, I, I really loved it what i really liked about that too is that they didn't need to go through scenes of exposition of like man i tony grew up in in the mean streets of the bronx and whatever else it actually literally happens as they're driving and it takes up the span of like 45 seconds and it ends with like a, a more dramatic scene in the movie. But after that, it goes back to what it was. It goes back to, hey, this is a friendship that's growing and it's budding. And we've got to go finish the series because 
there's uh, if you don't do it, then I'm not going to get paid. And also, uh, I really am starting to enjoy these conversations with you. So let's do that because I need to write another letter to my wife. In, in reference to kind of the how it tackles racism in this film, it's it's similar to something like uh, Hidden Figures, uh, which I also was really fond of. Like I I think it it's the kind of thing where this movie gets the tone it has and it gets the audience it wants. And yes, there's a version of this movie or version of this story that could, yes, go down much darker territory and throw in a lot. Not even darker, but like overly dramatic. That's what I'm saying. Overly dramatic or throw in a lot more racial epithets, we'll say. Mm -hmm. um, And really like, you know, knock you down with what things were really like. And yes, there is a, there's a bit of a stylish touch to how these people are as far as how, deep the racism goes when they're in certain areas of the deep south let alone the north the north gets off a little light as far as um, how it yeah, is how, how i mean you get to, you get to maryland and you get police that help you with the flat tire yeah i mean and you know the rest mason of, like, dixon line baby <laughs> the rest of like the Val- Valalonga family they seem I, to be won over pretty easily I, I, th- I think yeah i think eggplant is not the the lightest of terms that they use <laughs> but right. but i do like i mean it is from Tony Lip's perspective and the way they, they, the way they show him as a person that's, it's weird where he's like, he's like racist adjacent at the beginning of this movie where it's like, it's not that he's necessarily full on racist, but it's more like, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that guy. I like the way, and I can kind of like, I can get it from how Vigo plays it and just the nature of that area where it's like, yeah, okay, this is a guy that just, he grew up a certain way, and it's not a matter of being unaccepting, or else he wouldn't even be taking a meeting with Mahershala Ali to begin with. It's like, it's more well, of... Well, he didn't know. Yeah. He didn't know, but even then, he could have just walked right out if he was just so right, over-the-top right. racist. I was There was actually a, a critical moment in that scene where I was curious as to what they were going to do, which is literally a handshake. And I was like, oh, if, if Figo's character is one way, then I will know in this moment. And, you know, like what you're saying, it's just the circumstances that I think... I believe it's just the circumstances in which he grew up, because... Um, and what he's what he's seemingly come to believe with his family and and speaking through you know his neighborhood kind of thing, but I don't nearly think it wants to put a bow on it essentially and not in a bad way. I mean, as far yeah. as it wants to tell a certain story and it accomplishes that based off through the frame of framework of this friendship right. thing. And again, and to, to just to hit back on the whole, you know, how effective the story tells a story regardless of what the you know the actual reality is. That is very much the case here. It's a compared to certain other movies I've seen where yes, it's based, it's approximating a true story and it's not necessarily a word for word, you know, take teen scene for scene depiction of real life. The reasons of others are unsuccessful is because I, in addition to whatever, regardless of if it captures real life, I'm just, I'm not comfortable with the story being told. I'm not, I'm not sure. happy with the way it's delivering on that. This is sure. not that, this is not the case here. I was very much enjoying what I was seeing here. I, I like these performances. I like these people. Yeah. I like the way it, it, it kind of weaves its tail. And even, yes, I, I did like how it kind of concludes everything as far as there are certain turns and things that happen where, yes, they're predictable, but at the same time, they're just heartwarming. Yeah, it, it, it just a beautiful. It ends with Christmas, <laughs> and I was like, I like this song. <laughs> um, the thing that I will also add to uh, Viggo Morton's character is that it's not as though he's not a racist guy. He says things, but it, again, it's not the point of the of the scene. It's not the point of the script part. He'll say things like when they were driving the car, he's like, you know, he's talking to Doc, and he's saying, "Oh, you've never heard of Little Richard or Aretha Franklin? These are your people," and it's not as though the, there's a piano tone that shifts and then all of a sudden dark eyes from Herschel Lee to say like, oh my gosh, you know, this guy's such a racist guy. It's more just like 
this guy is an idiot and through this journey there's going to be some open hearts kind of thing and that's what i liked about it is that again it's very um it feels very comfortable in its own pacing and it knows where it wants to take its characters so kudos to peter Farrelly on the directing because he could have made this i mean mudbound is a very good movie but Mudbound is a movie in which I was maybe thinking that this one could have gone, which is dramatically about the South and racism and what have you. And, um, and you know, there, there are deep dramatic turns with characters. But, again, I was surprised by this, and not in a bad way. It was more just like I had very little expectations, but I wasn't sure because the marketing of this makes it seem as though it's, um, like, fun right out the gate. But there's some real yeah. stuff that they're dealing with. Yeah, I want to, and I also want to add that I don't really think that Tony Lip was an idiot per se. I I want to well, say that he was just he was. Yeah, those are my words. I want to I want to say that he was more ignorant, and I don't think that he was aware of you know what he was saying. You know, and it, it's kind of funny because we know nowadays when we watch a movie like this and we hear things like these are your people. You, we know now not to say those things, but back in the 60s when this movie takes place, you know, it's not it's not as commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it just was showing, like you were pointing out, that like he has racist tendencies, but a lot of it stems from his own ignorance and his <laughs> lack of dealing with people outside of his own like, you yeah. know, or, you know, yeah. his origins or whatever. Right. I'll, uh, I'll add this, too. And it's because it doesn't have to do with this. It has to do more of just Morton's uh, or Tony Lip's profession, I guess, as a bouncer and just like his connections. I like that it kind of teases this idea that he keeps getting like, like attention from the mob, like the mob side of this, and like how they oh, want to yeah. they want to bring him on. It's like you could be you could do good for us. You can make some good money. He's and an enforcer, just, and it just speaks to his character where it's like he clearly like. Whether or not he has a history doing stuff for the mob or having some kind of connection, like he, sure. you know, he's a family man now and he has kids, and it's like I don't want to do things that could jeopardize my family. I'd want to, I want to do legit jobs, and sure. I like that. That's a, it only comes up like twice in this movie, but I like both those scenes. I like, I like the kind of how it, how it plays that, how he has to walk that line very narrowly right. because he's just, he's like, I don't want to insult these people or put them on my bad side, but I want to like ki- firmly and kindly reject the offer to both make more money but do things that are illegal like right that's it that that was neat to me that was that's like a outside of the whole framework of the main story it's like that's a neat element that he's like this guy he could very easily be seduced to a darker side and do dark you know really beat up people if not worse but he chooses not to. yeah like there's something to respect about that speaking of which that's kind of how i thought the movie was gonna go where the first opening sequences are at the copacabana and you just see him being an enforcer type and i was like oh gosh Vigo's gonna play one of these guys and again, as it's it goes Eastern on, promises you, again, like, yeah, it's like a New York, a New York version of Eastern promises, but less hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's no there's no steam room fight here. But um, but no, again, as, as the movie goes on, you learn things pretty quickly. I, I was surprised that he's got he goes home. He's got two kids and he's got a wife. Mm-hmm. I didn't. And then I was like, oh. Oh, he's a family man, and he's not just like a, a meathead kind of guy who loses his temper kind of thing. Um, and again, as it goes on, like what we have all discussed, they could have easily written in if they wanted to some scenes of them having huge arguments in the car. But the car is actually a really safe space. The car, they never have like crazy loud arguments about racism or what have you. It's about food. It's about life. It's about his wife. It's about maybe some dark parts about Doc's family. 
but there's never anything that's crazy like um there, there's no like deep dialogues in those I mean, you car get, scenes you get, you get the one keep... scene because it's like they stop in the rain and yell at each other yeah and that's like the one where it's like the most hyper stylized um but at the same time it, it's it's proving a point if you didn't already see it from the past like hour of watching the movie because it comes up pretty late in the movie yeah no it it, it makes yeah. its way and it doesn't take too long so it's like yeah it, it works it works yeah and again you know i, I cannot throw enough praise on this because it was such a, a surprise for me so i i'm just gonna keep heaping praise on on the acting and, and the directing and and the lightness of the story i mean again racism is a dark topic but I was glad that I didn't see a movie, which you've seen a lot of before, and this well, is it, certainly it's something that... It, it, it works as a nice companion to the rest of this year, where we've gotten Black Klansman and The Hate You Give, and well, sorry, to, sorry to Bother You, like, and, uh, and uh, if Beale Scott Street... Scott could... The Hate You Give? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, Beale, if Beale Street Could Talk is coming up soon, and that's another one that's very good, mm-hmm. and that we'll, we'll delve into more. But, like, so it's, it's like, you're getting a lot of flavors of these themes, and it's like, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt to have one that's, you know, nicer. yeah Yeah. no that's what makes it so refreshing it's just that we've seen so many films that kind of tackle very similar themes this year and i mean they've been very hot you know this is a hot topic this year like you just mentioned so to see something that actually kind of has a sweet spot to it that actually makes you laugh and feel good it's a nice change of pace yeah yeah also good for sebastian maniscalco the comedian who's like tony's brother-in-law because like I've watched this guy's a stand-up for like a while. He's like, oh, he's he's, he's in a possible best picture nominee. Good for him. Wait, wait, which one is he? He's the he's the main brother of of, of Tony Lip. Like, oh the, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's like I guess he's he's Linda Cardinelli's sister. Or, sorry, brother. He, right. He's <laughs> his he's his sister. Sorry, yeah. By the way, Linda Cardinelli. You know, for the small stuff that she's doing, I, I like seeing her on the screen. So I'm a fan. Yeah, 20, I mean, it was nice year difference see... between her and Vigo, but it's like, right. is that yeah. is that real? Yeah. Yes, because <laughs> that's that's how Hollywood works. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, like what De- Dolores, like it's a yeah, Dolores, she, yeah. She, she works in the role, like in the the whole yeah, thing I mean, is fun. Yeah, she, she's only there for like maybe like ten minutes max of the movie, but uh, she serves a purpose, and that kind of is an anchor for him to express some of his uh, his writing and the way that they kind of wrap that bow. That was a nice moment, too. Yeah. Oh, also, Don Shirley's performance pieces. I don't know if Mahershali learned piano for this. I or was not. serious about Actually, this. Scott, do you know? He didn't. He didn't. Okay, because did the first, the first was some part clever CG work watching. they're doing there. Yeah. Yes. Like the first the first sequence in which you're seeing him play the piano, I was like, okay, something looks a little bit weird here. And then the other ones, I couldn't tell. Like, the, the remaining ones, I couldn't tell. Well, regardless, those Don Shirley albums sound pretty great, if that's what he's doing on them. <laughs> Just sound like good pieces. This is true. And also, I want to say that the baller-ass line that that Doc says, he's like, yeah, uh, a lot of people can sh- can play Chopin, but not a lot of people can play it like me. And I was like, that's a baller-ass statement right there. <laughs> well, well, we got to listen to it on that album about the orphans. Yes. <laughs> no, <those weren't> orphans. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Green Book before we wrap up here? Um, I would say that you should see it with a, with an audience. I mean, I think that it's certainly one of those things. The audience clapped, which I wasn't expecting. I haven't had any audience clap, and I don't go to festivals like you guys do, but I haven't had an audience clap in well, any screen. To be clear for the listeners and for Scott, Abe gets notoriously bad audiences for the movies he goes and watches. Like, oh, when I go see it with, like, yeah, only when I go see it with like a select group of people or a select person, I get really bad audience members. So I tend to try and go and see it by myself. 
because that's the best way to watch movies. Yeah, I would I would I, I would agree with you. I would say that, you know, this is a it's a nice crowd pleaser. It, it's it's one that yeah you, you kind of it has its moments where you laugh you, you kind of get a little bit emotional um but you also i don't know you just get to see this this story of a friendship unfold and and i think it's very rewarding at the end of the day i, I think it, it touches upon important issues but it doesn't beat you over the head with it and you leave the theater feeling happy which is something that you know most award movies don't let you do that's an interesting statement Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah, I was a fan of it as well. I would say go see it in theaters. Um, it's certainly, it's certainly worth worth checking out. And, and I, I'm a bit surprised it's not a. I mean, it had a platform release, but I mean, I'm a bit surprised it's not like just knocking it down because I just feel like it's such a, a feel good movie like that you want you'd want to go see if like a bunch of people just have a good time watching this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, Green Book. It's in theaters now. Uh, Scott, thank you very much for joining us for this review. Thank you, thank Scott. Thank you so much. I will talk to you guys later. Thanks there for having it. me on. Very cool. Talk All right. Later. All right. Well, that was our review for Green Book. Let's move on. Let, guys, let's get to uh, let's get to our review for Burning. That should have been some of the trailer for Burning. This is a slow burn dramatic mystery about three people. We mainly follow Lee Jong-soo, a man performing odd jobs around town to support his family. He runs into a childhood classmate, and the two begin to hit it off. Uh, she, she being uh, Jaime, she leaves for Africa for a few weeks, comes back with Ben, played by Steven Yoon, a wealthy man who seems a bit detached from those around him. From there, a triangle of sort forms, eventually turning into something of a battle of wits between jong and Ben. Joining us now to talk burning, we have uh, from Lenoir Autour, uh, Terrence Johnson. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Glad to have you uh, pop in with us and talk burning. Yes, one of my... At- the moment we're recording this my favorite film of the year well whoa with that let me uh, let me uh let me set this up for you i so we were at this screening together and Mm -hmm. you um right before the film started we had like the studio rep like you know basically said the film is two and a half hours here we go i I want you i want you to describe your reaction to this and like the setup (laughs) for that and then talk about your thoughts on the movie Uh, my reaction to it was what (laughs) <laughs> because I had no idea how long the movie was going to be. And we had just seen Suspiria the night before. And that was two and a half hours. And so I was like, oh, what did I do to myself? <laughs> and then uh, this movie could have gone on for another half an hour. And I would have sat there gladly. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I love 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 this movie but yeah, yeah. i was i was i was not <laughs> speak not, on it some more not mentally prepared for two and a half hours i you know i in the review that i wrote i encourage everybody to not know anything about this movie before they go in 
And I try um, to be I try to be as vague as I can in the description. Yeah, yeah. Like it starts off as one thing and the director sort of like lulls you into not sleep, but just in like a familiarity with the story. And then he just starts turning it. And t- and you and you start like, oh, like that interaction led to this and this is leading to that. And now this movie is a totally different beast. Um, you know, and keeping it as a pretty tight core group of characters, I think really helps with that. And I think that's what makes it work so well. I'll say the film is from director uh, Cheng Dong Li, who did uh, Secret Sunshine and Poetry uh, before mm-hmm. these. And um, yeah, no, I I was a big fan of this film as well. Not quite my favorite film of the year, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it, it has... It, once you kind of get into the rhythm of the slow burn that it's going for, which I was, you know, I was prepared for because unlike Terrence, I was aware that it was two and a half hours. They don't tell you these things on the press screening like packets that you get. I'm you sure it, it did, <laughs> but like I knew Suspiria was two and a half hours, you know, like a year ago. <laughs> oh, when, I see what you're saying. You know, when he was talking about the making of it, I just I had no idea. I just knew that a lot of people saw this at like Cannes, I think it was at, mm-hmm. and really loved it. So I, yeah, I had no concept at the time. Yeah, I didn't know much about it before going in. Beyond yeah, it was at Cannes, and like it has Steven Yeun, and it was like, oh, that's neat. He's still in a Korean film. Um, but yeah, it it really worked for me as far as being a you know a slow burn thriller. Um, that really takes its time in a way that I like with a lot of movies like this, where you spend a good hour just de- developing the characters before the actual plot takes in. Uh, Jackie Brown is one of my favorite movies. It does the same thing. Obviously, it's very different as far as the tone and what have you, but like that's a movie where it could it, it's no it's not concerned with what the story's supposed to be. It spends a lot of time just being like, here are all these people. Now, this film doesn't have many people. It has three characters, mainly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it... It's neat. To, it's especially in the the initial interactions between uh, Jiang Su and Jaime. Like you just suddenly learn about these people, and you learn about you know the kind of the class of society that they belong to. So that when you introduce Ben in there, um, right. it be, it you know it takes a new shape. And Steven Yeun is very good in this movie. He, he's very good. At, he's very yeah, good in a way lines. that he's he's very good in a way that. It's both. It's disarming in a way where he you know he can he can seem charming, but there's something just something a bit off and yeah. and you watch it and you're like well it seems like jong su gets this but is it coming from a place of he understands he's a bit off or is it becoming from a place of you know a jealousy essentially right uh, and so it watching the watching that struggle back and forth before more stuff happens to kind of take a new turn of the film it's it's a neat dynamic to watch unfold and then yeah. and and in addition to that, you have, you know, watching Jong Zhu and Haime like suddenly being a part of Ben's world where he's he's part of a whole different society. So it's like, why is he involved with this? Like what's going on here? And so that's a mm-hmm. lot of what you're trying to think of throughout this movie. And yeah, it just really works. I it's it's a it's yeah. a strong mystery that doesn't feel like a mystery for a good long time. Um and it's it looks great. Like the the depiction of uh, of South Korea like they're living um in Paju. Um, like areas that are closer to the, the um, what is it, the uh, the DMZ. The DMZ. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and because of that, it gets a neat like foggy look through a lot of the film, and so you get a lot of great shots of like the yeah. 
the environment and like using that to its advantage as far as you know the nature of the movie of the mystery the shades the things that you can't see yeah so yeah it's 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 very so, well done i, I want to say that i've only seen about 25 minutes of the movie um and you guys are making me uh, feel as though i i am an idiot uh, which, which I'm sounds like I am. <laughs> you just you haven't even cracked the surface of what I the know, movie. But what I was, but what Aaron was mentioning about Ben's character, Stephen Yoon's character, saying that he he's he's not like a menacing guy, but is just kind of unsettling at times. Is when they come back from from Africa and they're having dinner, and he's like, you know, it's so funny watching you cry because I've never cried a tear in my life. And and Jong Soo's like, what? It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> And he's like, by the way, can you tell me what you do for a living? And he's just like, you wouldn't even understand if I told you. And I was like, what is this guy's problem? So yeah. it feels like there's like, like you're just saying, like, it seems like there's a weird mystery here. Yeah, there's a line yeah. where, and it's in the trailer too, where they describe him as like, he describes him as the great Gatsby. And it's like, yeah. That's what I he get... describes as? Yeah. That, no, that's what think... Lee Jong, like Jong Su describes oh, okay. as. I think that's what's so brilliant about casting a Korean American mm-hmm. actor in that role. Um, you know, he's the, I think the young actress, that might be one of sort of her first roles, but the other guy, uh, you are in, um, is he's like a done television a lot of star television. And, yeah. 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 And like when Steven comes into the picture, it's, he's got like, you know, this shine on him and, and there's, you know, we see Donald Trump press conferences and right. conversations about America. And it's like all of that sort of fits in with the, the mysteriousness of that character it's and he does feel for sure yeah, yeah he does feel like the great gatsby because you're like who is this guy what is his deal and then because of how tight the narrative is focused you wonder are you thinking bad things of him because you know he's a romantic rival is he just a shady guy like is he just like living his life and not bothering with them and and it's just projection so it's really you know i think that the director did a great job of adapting it's a based on a murakami is it a novel yeah oh it's a short story story. okay um and having i'm eternally trying to get through one q84 but (laughs) this the story really sort of taps into that that feel of like life is happening, but that there's just something off. Interesting. And and characters trying to figure out what that something off is. Yeah. It's a, it, it is a great like casting pull to get Steven Yu because it's like, yeah, he's a person where you, you have an association with him, but he's in an alien environment as far as I know him from, you know, a zombie show on TV. Yeah. Walking or Dead. Like yeah. bit, or like bit parts in other movies. Yeah. Um, sorry to bother you. Okja, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. Yeah. And uh, but now it's like now he's like the the main lead in this movie, and he's completely Korean the whole time. It's like I don't, I don't know what I don't know what to think here. And, I also yeah. want to uh, mention very quickly that Terrence, like you, uh, I I didn't I don't know who these actors and actresses are except for Stephen Yoon, which is um, uh, not a criticism, but more just when I saw the IMDb page for uh, I and You. I was like, this guy's a really good-looking guy. <laughs> and then as you're watching this movie, Burning, you're like, he plays this, this you know, quiet, bumbly kind of creative writer like guy. Yeah, well, this movie. like that's yeah, he's, yeah. Like, he's odd by this acting right now. Well, he's it's, he's, mm-hmm. it's like an odd. I he's very odd-looking to me, mm-hmm. but I think that you know that helped 
in this part because I think Stephen Yoon might be more, you know, cl- using classical sure. in quotes in terms right. of what like a Hollywood actor looks like. So all of those things, they all sort of brought their, you know, the physicality and, and the tools of the story to really tell it in an interesting way. Interesting. And it, it, you mentioned that, like, yeah, it's it's a tightly focused narrative, but it's, you know, this movie's two and a half hours, and that just, it makes it more absorbing. So when, when you're suddenly focused on less characters, it, um, it, bec- it, you have you've had so much time to kind of spend like mm-hmm. understanding a certain dynamic going on, and now you're in this kind of new presentation of how things are going, and mm-hmm. you you see how you see new dimensions of people, even though they're acting basically the same. It's just now there's a thing to contend with, and this particular beat since Lee Jong Su is like he's like the or Jong Su Lee he's like the lead character essentially. Watching him kind of deal with what's happening around him it's it's interesting like it's a good performance mm-hmm. because there's i i don't want to say he's dumb but like there's a noirish element to this movie but the guy you know the guy's not I a detective the guy's not yeah. a detective like he's not a guy that does this for he's not like i gotta solve mysteries like he's oh, just oh yeah like, he's terrible at it <laughs> yeah he's, he's in over his head like he has to do certain things at certain points where it's like yeah. he doesn't know what the hell he's doing or how he's going to try to solve this thing and so yeah. it's like it's by sheer luck that certain things happen <laughs> but like <laughs> yeah but he 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 tried and, and i think that's what what i really dug about it is the movie was like allowing me to project so much onto him mm-hmm. as he was moving within the narrative. Because I'm like, is he? He's just overreacting. He's got to be overreacting. Why is he doing? This? He's just jealous. Maybe he's no. He's he can't be right. Like you know, and all of these thoughts are going through my head as 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 an audience member as I'm watching the film, um, even as the characters themselves are making sort of concrete decisions. Um. I will say that, like, even though this movie is two and a half hours, I never felt like it was spinning its wheels in any. Okay. I would agree with that. Yeah. You know, it's like it might take a long time. You know, we might follow characters doing something for a long time, but it pays off why they were doing it for a long time. By the time. way, did you guys notice any score in this movie? Uh, there's. Yeah. There's a score. No, there's okay. there's there's a score, but there's and there's also some key needle drops that happen. I'll say you haven't gotten okay, to these yeah. points yet, but yeah, there's some there's some points. But yeah, there's there's a score here by uh, okay. I see Maug is the. Uh... Oh right, I saw that on the credits. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's a cool DJ name. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's a DJ, but it's wow! It's, so it's one of your favorite. It's your favorite of the year as far as like December first recording or December second recording. Yes, that and is amazing. He hasn't seen Bumblebee yet. Oh God! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just and one thing I want to circle back on was you mentioned sort of like the visual, mm-hmm. you know, palette of it is like it, the cinematography in this movie is outstanding. Mm, you know, okay. just how they play with like framing things in certain ways and what it means that the camera is in a place or what it's capturing um, was really important for setting like the mood of this. There's sort of a, a statement scene that comes like two thirds of the way 
through and 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 it's like beautifully shot. You're you're gonna watch it and be wondering what the hell is going on. Interesting. But it was so gorgeous that I was like, I'll just go with this. As as uh, as I continue to watch this as the week progresses, I'm just gonna live tweet it so that I can hash or I can at mention both Aaron and Terrence and be like, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's really solid, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, again, like what you guys have been saying, the buildup of the characters, I'm not even through knowing who these characters are yet. And it is interesting. I mean, some people might find it a little bit boring, but it's not like what you're saying. There's there's so, even early this on, there's a weird sense of intrigue. I mean, there was even intrigue as to whether she even owned a cat. Um, so I don't know where that comes into play later, but uh, the movie is it's deliberately paced, and so the director knows what they're doing. It's not yeah. as though it's like it's like fumbling around and just making it longer for the sake of being long or artsy, right? Well, yeah, and you'll as you'll see where it goes, and it certainly it picks up in pace later down the line, just because by nature of where the story has taken you at that point. But like, I mean. Mm-hmm again it's that building up of things of like understanding who people are in the scenario that they're in where it's like yeah i'm fully on board for where it goes from here because yes it's done a very good job of setting it up to begin with so um between that the acting and the cinematography there's just plenty of praise about this movie cool. yeah and yeah the thematically yes i mean the the idea of dealing with uh people from a lower class versus Stephen yoon's character and how that factors into mm. um how we can sure how we can keep track of people like it's it's interesting it yeah is. i also yeah. found it fascinating like right off the bat you find out he doesn't recognize her mm-hmm. um right and you find out why and that's like yeah i mean that's a, a brilliant way to set up sort of a narrative about appearances and and what things mean and how we interpret you know people's appearances um but also just a really fine character detail point right that we'll spend the rest of the the movie sort of thinking about and exploring you know it's like is the budding of their relationship solely based on like Physical the way that appearance. she looks right now yeah like is it based off of childhood and is that what got this other guy in the picture and yeah you know. I, I notice a lot of that too, even early on, because she, like we said, she mentions that. But also, there's, you know, when she's talking about the, I forget what she mentions in terms of like the great, the greatness or the great openness. I forget what she says, but you know, there's questions about just what she's doing here. And then there's even one point where he's talking to a lawyer, and that lawyer is telling um, Jong Su that his dad could have done some cooler things in life if he wasn't so stubborn and and prideful. And mm-hmm. they, like what you guys are saying, like they mentioned that you he could have lived in Gangnam, which is like the really expensive district of Korea, Seoul, Korea. And so I was like, oh, I wonder what this is like thematically. I see what you guys are setting up here, so I cannot wait to explore the rest of it. And if I am disappointed, I'll just add mention you guys as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, it's been like a little while since I saw it, so I'm like, I kind of want to see it again now. It's like, when do I have two and a half hours to watch Burning again? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Especially with all these movies coming out, like Bumblebee. Yeah. Exactly, uh, especially Jesus. Bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bumblebee's only two hours, so it's three hours shorter than the last Transformers movie, so it has that going for it. <laughs> it's three hours shorter. Wow, than... look at what happens when you get rid of Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, well, yeah, I, I know this review's been 
it's a little briefer than some of our other ones. Just, but a little bit briefer just, and a little bit more like in the dark. But yeah, because you have to keep I like about it. things. But I think yeah. there's a lot to recommend here. So I'd say Terrence and I certainly would say go see this in theaters, right? Yes, see it like ASAP. Okay. Because it is it is well worth your your time. Unlike Suspiria, <laughs> this movie is <laughs> I think well worth your time. Disagree. Yeah. <laughs> disagree. But I, I would still say yes. Burning is well worth is well worth seeing. You know. I don't know when uh, when uh, Terrence was like it's two and a half hours. I was like maybe I won't watch Suspiria. And also there's just Aaron is watching that this phys- movie. <laughs> well, the Aaron is of the physicalness. The physical, I guess, it's not really gore, but there's this. <laughs> what well, there, well, gore. Is there physical gore? Okay. Then I'm not. I'm not done with Suspiria. <laughs> It's going to make me queasy. Yeah. So you guys both recommend seeing this in theaters ASAP. Yeah, for sure. Got it. Yeah. Well, Terrence, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Terrence. It's great. It's great for a pop-up. Thanks for having me. (laughs) For sure. Uh, Where can people find more of you? Uh, You can find me at Lenoir Tour on Twitter and Instagram and uh, net, where I'm fielding fun comments from people who have newly discovered that I'm on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you getting that sweet Disney money. Got it. <laughs> yeah, that's what's happening. But uh, yeah, thanks again, Terrence, for Thank joining you, us. Thank you, Terrence. We'll talk to you cool. soon. Yeah, no problem. Right, yeah. Bye. Well, let's uh, yeah, let's move on now. Let's get to uh, let's get to our feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash out podcast. We go over a number of questions uh, that we asked uh, to the listeners. They gave us answers, then they gave us questions that we could answer. So yeah. uh, let's uh, let's get into this. And I don't have first. for some reason. <laughs> no worries. First question is, what is your favorite road trip movie? From the show, Alan has Borat, uh, The Muppet Movie, Dumb and Dumber, and Tommy Boy. All great answers. Tyler has National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, I think they're going to Wally World. So a great answer there. Adam writes Midnight Run, Thelma and Louise. Justin has all good choices. I would also add Road Trip and Harold and Kumar. Uh, NPH wouldn't do that. Um, Scott has Harry and Tonto. Uh, or was it last year Harry and Tonto? Harry and Tonto? Harry and Tonto. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for the show, Amy Taylor has Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, they actually have a dead body in the back. Don't open the trunk. Mike Jones has Tulane Blacktop. Uh, Todd has The Muppet Movie, Midnight Run, and National Lampoon's Vacation, Easy Rider, and Rain Man. Chris has Mad Max Fury Road, and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Renee has such a corny movie, I know, but Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, and lastly, Jay has Minette Ren or Finding Nemo. That's an interesting choice about a road trip movie, Finding Nemo. They're, they're traveling the uh, the East Australian, whatever. That was, the EAC, route. the East Australian, East Australian Current. Current? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if there was like another, uh, another word in between there. Uh, Midnight Run is a great movie, um, and I'm very happy it's been mentioned multiple times. Um, Smokey the Bandit, I just watched that for the first time after Burt Reynolds died. I was like, let me watch the Smokey the Bandit. First time? Yeah. First time? First time, yeah. I never okay. saw Smokey the Bandit before. I've never it, seen it. It's fine. Like, it, it's okay. fun. Like, it has, it's got its moments. Like, it's got Burt Reynolds is certainly, like, compared to, like, Deliverance, where it's like, this is a performance. This guy's just like, I got a mustache. I'm having fun. Like, that's it. Like, that's <laughs> Have you seen the outtakes with Sally Field for that? I, I've seen the outtakes, yes. Yeah, that that's just, that just makes me laugh. It's like, no, that's my line. No, that's my line. <laughs> All right. Next question we have here. Favorite Viggo Mortensen performance. Uh, Alan writes Eastern Promises. Renee has a history of violence in Captain Fantastic. Adam has a history of violence in Eastern Promises. Mike has The Road. Todd has Ghostbusters 2. Oh, sorry, wrong Viggo. Ha! 
Chris has uh, Captain Fantastic. Jay has Daylight. Cindy has. I'm going to say. I was going to say a Perfect Murder, but in actual fact, it's probably Young Guns too. You was in Young Guns too. Well, Justin adds not specifically him in it, but I do like the movie Crimson Tide, also Carlito's Way, and one of my all-time favorite movies, Young Guns Two. Again, not for his performance specifically. So yeah, apparently there's Young Guns Two fans. I totally don't remember him in Young Guns Two, which is weird. I remember him in Crimson Tide. He's the one that makes a decision. Maybe we should do that for our commentary. And then we Young Guns Two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the spirit world. Actually, I think that's Young Guns One. Young Guns Two is when Billy the Kid is on the run. Um. But uh, I would say all of his performances. I'm actually a huge Viggo Mortensen fan. And again, at the beginning of Green uh, Green, mm-hmm. Green Book, <laughs> right? At the beginning of Green Book, where he's just kind of playing like schlubby uh, club enforcer, I was like, "You guys are wasting Viggo Mortensen." And as the movie progresses, I was like, "You guys are not wasting Viggo Mortensen." See, guy picks he picks his things specifically. So like, he had to have seen something here where it's like he wanted to do this because it's like it's not like this is a paycheck movie. Like you don't you're not gonna make. He's got enough money from the Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, exactly. He doesn't need to work. That's the yeah. that's why he's, that's why he, he can be picky. <laughs> yeah, that's why, he, that's why he can do great things like Captain Fantastic, where it's another movie that uh, people don't have haven't seen enough of. But yeah, Easter Promise is my pick. That's easily my pick. That and History of Violence, I think, is spectacular. Yeah. Um, and he's great in both of them. I agree. Yeah, I always think about the line where um, where he's like, you ran out of the way here, Dad? He's like, yeah. He's like, there's there's like nothing wrong. He's like, and then his son says, but what if there was? <laughs> so it's like, why did you say that? <laughs> Next question. Favorite wait, wait, film? wait. The, yeah. what, watching History of Violence, like, I was so like, is he actually a part of this thing? And when, like when ed harris finally has him like basically like gun on him like he's gonna kill him yeah it's like and then he like he finally breaks it's like oh my god i'm so i'm so pretty brutal i'm so well but i'm just so into the mystery of is he actually joey like i like it's so like where is this gonna go what's gonna happen and he finally like breaks that breaks his character it like reveals that he's joey and it's like oh (laughs) <laughs> like it's, it's so affecting this is the, yeah it's it's pretty brutal and who's the director by again um david cronenberg yeah cronenberg so obviously the the physical effects look great but oh, yeah. the other part that i like about the movie is um uh who's who plays his brother william hurt william hurt when he's like i tried to strangle as a baby and i was like what what, what a weird line William Hurt playing version one of Tony Lip in uh, Green Green. That's, that's right. That's a great. That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> well, the next question we have for everybody: uh, favorite films involving a pianist. Uh, Jay writes Groundhog's Day. Uh, Mike has Eddie and the Crusade. Uh, Eddie and the Cruisers. Justin has the Fabulous Baker Boys. Well, Michelle Pfeiffer because Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Todd has Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Donald Duck and Daffy Duck. Best dueling pianos ever. That was actually a, really, a funny duel. She's not bad. Um, not wrong. Yeah. Scott has Big, which are playing uh, on AFAO Shorts. FAO Shorts, yeah. Yeah. Alan has La La Land, Oliver and Company. And Chris has Amadeus. So he's going with the classic piano there. How about you? I'll throw a shout out to Shine. Where Jeffrey Rush won an Oscar because right? it's yeah, yeah. Where he plays a pianist and it's like oh there's some really complicated piano playing going on in this movie <laughs> right yeah. you know and there's a lot of other movies that that uh, have piano playing but I'd, I'd probably uh, have to say that the pianist which I can never watch again because it's it's too sad <laughs> so I just feel really bad because the guy who supposedly supposed to help him but just steals all their money and leaves him 
in a locked apartment. I just I'm like that. I hope that guy dies a terrible death. So, anyway. So our next question we have here is, uh, Green Book was directed by Peter Farrelly, best known as one half of the duo that brought you Dumb and Dumber and other comedies. What are some films that you enjoy where a director stepped out of their comfort zone? Chris writes, I'll go with Kenneth Branagh for Thor. Okay. And Justin has, I want to say, Ben Stiller for The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, but not sure if that works here. No, it works here. I would say that's... that's works here. That's, yeah. that's not on, on brand for Ben Stiller. Yeah, Ben Stiller's known as a comedian. And he currently has like a like a prison drama on Showtime with Benicio Del Toro Benicio and, Del Toro. and, and, and uh, Wild Life's Paul Dano. <laughs> so, Academy Award winner for Charquette. Yeah. What's yeah. Your, and Academy Award winner Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. What am I, what am I saying? <laughs> Yeah. But uh, but no yes I think that's, that that certainly counts and that's a good pick. Um, trying to think I mean I guess Adam McKay with the the Big Short I mean that's true because you we talked about it when we talked about Anchorman two where Adam McKay he's putting in commentary social commentary in his movies like, and the, the other Adam, guys too has a lot of it going on like they, yeah. it was all building to that movie it seems but yeah that's certainly like a dramatic I mean he made a drama so I mean it's a dramatic he made a shift. drama and it was. Very, very well done. It kind of took you through the entire gamut of uh, people who were on the low level, medium level, and the high level. So it's, yeah, Adam McKay. But I'd also like to mention, um, I kind of, I mean, like, the Coens are great at everything, but I like how they try their hand at a lot of different different types of genres. I still haven't seen the, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, but, you know, some mysteries, some are like dark comedies. you got to get some in on that. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, you think about, like, what's the one with Tim Robbins with the with the hula hoop? The Hudsucker Proxy. The Hudsucker Proxy. You think about that movie, and it's, like, it's just, like, quirky and weird and, and like, kind of lame. And then there's, like, some movies that have a lot of heart, like Raising Arizona. And then you have a dark comedy like Fargo. And you have something weird and quirky, like a dance number like Hail Caesar. So they're, they're doing different things. They're stepping outside of their lane. I watched that again, too. It's so good. Hail Caesar? Yeah. I just <laughs> like how uh, Channing Tatum is a Soviet spy. Um, I would, I just had one. Don't let it get away from me. Don't let it get away. Oh, well, so it can't I mean, cause it's, I mean, it, it's his debut film, but like it's off brand from where you've seen him. Jordan Peele with Get Out. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. I mean, you it's know, a very, it's a very you know, effective you know, horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the best reviewed movies from last year. Yeah. So. But like, you know, you think of Jordan Peele and you, before that you weren't thinking then this guy's going to make some great horror movies. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, this is a, this, it's not exactly on, uh, on the direction right. you thought he would go. And right. then there he is winning an Oscar. So you know, we right. got that. So, well, yeah, I think that there's still some more that we may have missed, but we, oh, there's we, plenty. We, yeah. We'll <laughs> think of so. Them. Good on them. Uh, Eli Roth and the House of the Clock at its walls. You know, it's, I still haven't seen that. Is it worth watching? Yeah, it's a fun movie. Okay. Right. Now again, I always have to put an asterisk in front of it because I saw it after I saw Thriller and IMAX first. So it's like I was in a good mood, but yeah. I still think it was a good movie. <laughs> so let me ask you a question: Would you, you know, how Thriller is fourteen minutes long, fourteen some odd minutes long, and that that Olaf short is about twenty minutes long? Which one feels shorter? Well, thriller <laughs> thriller exactly it's got a it's got a plot and it moves whereas mm-hmm. whereas the olaf one it feels like he's going on to like a misguided adventure for 20 minutes it's fun but it's quite long <laughs> I'll, I'll do you one better thriller like yeah i have my i have favorite movies of the year but if you want to talk about movie, my favorite movies i've seen this year be thriller <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like new and old movies that i've seen this year thriller you know like what's in, cool, the, in that and, list and, yeah and you know what's cool about thriller it's a it's a 
it's a meta movie. <laughs> yes. They, they go to the theater to go watch this movie called Thriller, and all of a sudden you're in it, and then he's got the cat eyes at the end. Well, so. I mean, it starts in the movie, then it zooms out that you reveal that you're watching a movie, and then they're still in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Vincent Price, whenever he's saying his lines, it still kind of gives me some chills if I'm, you know, walking alone at night. So, um, next question. What are some of your favorite movie mysteries? Alan has Zodiac and L.A. Confidential. Chinatown, Dan Davis, uh, Man oh, from Reno. There's, no, there's no space. Oh, uh, no space just, in between. Just, just do it again. No, Dan is a person. It's not. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next question. What are some of your favorite movie mysteries? Alan has uh, Zodiac and LA Confidential and Chinatown. Dan has The Man from Reno. Justin has The Game. Todd has The Thin Man. And Scott has The Third Man. Those are all good options right there. Now, can I ask you a point of clarification? Yeah. When you say mystery, is there a mystery that's trying to be solved in the movie and it could be a larger thematically different movie? Because sure. what I'm thinking about is something like The Science of the Lambs where yeah, that's the a mystery. mystery is trying to solve who Buffalo Bill is, but it's uh, kind of a horror movie. It's, so, I mean, they can be more than one thing. This <laughs> is true. It's true. a horror, it's a thriller, it's a drama. Like It's everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's great. I mean, Game Night is a thriller and a mystery and a comedy. Like, so, there's no, there's no rule book. I like emphasizing that a lot. There's like, no, there's no book somewhere that says it can't be this. Like, so what, if, like, what if, what if, we're just walking in the woods and we find that book? I mean, then you could slap me in the face and say I'm wrong. But you know, until hopefully then, it's not the Necronomicon. That'd be bad. Yeah, that would be bad. Uh, our <laughs> next question, our last question here is: What are your favorite South Korean films? David writes a film I hope someone has seen. Please respond if so. Save the Green Planet. I have not seen it, David. I apologize. I assume it involves E.T. Uh, Justin what? writes... <laughs> Justin writes Train to Busan, for sure. Yeah, Chris writes... It is on Netflix now. Chris has a Snowpiercer, Train to Busan, Enough Said. Then he writes, oh, crikey, nearly forgot the host. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan has Old Boy, Secret Sunshine, from the director of Burning, and Mother. Mm-hmm. And Jeff has the host. There you go. Um, Mother big... with no exclamation mark. I'm a big fan. South Korean cinema has is very. There's a lot of really great South Korean cinema out there, um, okay. and yeah, the Vengeance trilogy, which features Old Boy, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and Lady Vengeance. Those are all really good films. Um, I'm a big fan of The Host as well, and that same director. What's his name? Uh, Park Chan Wook. Uh, okay. Um, the Host, and uh, he did what? The Good, the Bad, and the Weird, which is a great like action western. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, what's the other one? Oh, it's a serial killer movie. It's really Yee. good. It, it has um, it has the guy that plays Odate So an old boy also. Um, oh no, mm-hmm. what is it called? Keep, keep thinking on it. Keep thinking on it. Park Chan Wook. Park Chan Wook, old boy. Okay, and it's got the uh, uh, Min Sik Choi. Right. Yeah, Min Sik Choi. Min Sik Choi is the actor. And um, it's called. Uh, what year was it out? Fairly, fairly long ago. Um, I saw the devil. I saw the devil. That's what it is. There it's, you go. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's Teamwork. Cool. That's a good one. That's a two hour and a half hour movie. That Who, who's also in that? That's one of the actors from. Um... Uh, Byung Hung Lee. Byung Hung Lee. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's a good one. That's what, okay. Again, like I was saying, it's two and, two and a half hours. And it's yeah, but it's like it's all like it's cat and mouse chase movie. It's crazy. 
Like there's okay. a scene that takes place in a taxi cab that's insane. <laughs> it's 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 wild. It's a wild movie. I don't want to spoil it, so I won't go Google it on YouTube yeah, uh, after this. Just, just I, I will have to admit that I haven't seen as many South Korean movies. Um, not that I don't want to, but just because I I haven't come across many titles, and so it's unfortunate because I've only seen stuff like My Sassy Girl <laughs> or something like that, where it's like, yeah, in college people were like, you should watch this movie from South Korea. And I was like, okay, let's watch it then. So I haven't, uh, I haven't even, I have not even seen the old original Old Boy. Um, oh, sorry, Park Chan Wook. It's not Park Chan Wook. Park Chan Wook did Old Boy. What's the other director? Oh, what's the guy? Uh, which which movie? For I saw the devil and um, the host and oh, Byung Hung Lee. Be- or not Byung Hung Lee. No, no, that's the actor. Uh, that's the actor. It's yeah. another. Oh, jeez. It is Kim Ji Woon. Uh, there we go. Yeah, uh, there you go. Okay. It's these yeah. three names. That they me yeah. Kim Ji Woon. Yeah, there we can't... go. Yeah, he did. Uh, oh, I saw the devil. Someone's like screaming at their iPod that I'm like saying all this. <laughs> I guess I'm like getting it wrong the whole time. First of all, iPods. What is this? Like 2014. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kim Ji Woon, uh-huh. who did who did the Last Stand, by the way, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Which was not bad. <laughs> that was a fun movie. That was a good movie. That's the one, that's the one where he's the sheriff, right? Yes, he's the, he's a sheriff. Yeah. If if there's one thing that makes sense, it's that in New Mexico, people would be like, "This Austrian fellow seems like a good person to lead our town." <laughs> <laughs> Someone voted him in that position. <laughs> what you don't know is like uh, in the next town over, it's actually just um, Viggo Mortensen serving coffee as not Joey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're both in like these New Mexico cities. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, Kim Ji Woon. Yeah, uh, I saw the Devil, Good, the Bad, and the Weird, um, and. Uh, a Tale of Two Sisters, that's a good one. So what you're saying uh, is to a lot of South Korean films that I haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad, glad uh, that there's a, a list now for people to go check out. Well, then there's The Host, too, which is great. And that's from Bong Joon-ho. That's the other director I'm trying to think of. There we go. Okay. Bong Joon-ho. He did Okja also. Yes. And, um, also on Netflix. And, uh, and um, Snowpiercer. And um, uh, Memories of a Murder. That's a good one. Okay. And Mother. Um, the other film called Mother. Right. Um, that's you also know, really good. Mark. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of great South Korean film out of there. There was like a period between like 2004 and like 2010 where it's like, it seemed like South Korea and Norway were like producing like all these amazing and movies. Norway? Yeah, because they like let I the can't... right one in. Right. And, like, a bunch yeah, of, I know. And, like, uh, and some other ones is like, Scandinavia and South Korea are killing it right now. Right. <laughs> so, like... Anyway. Some other questions. Note. Uh, side note. What? Yeah. Only lover, only lovers left alive. Who directed that? That's uh, Jim Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch, not Which... Scandinavian. No. Okay. Yeah, just a uh, hipster American. There you go. <laughs> Pro, sorry, proto hipster. Is that what he calls himself? No, but like he was doing it before there was a thing called hipsters. So. He's. <laughs> uh, when you said that, it just made me laugh because the hipsters like, oh, I was doing it before it was cool, and then you're like, he was a cool hipster before he was cool to be a hipster. I, I like, mean, that's really what? what it is, that there wasn't, like, a term for, like, the kind of personality he had beyond, like, he's quirky. Like, it's like... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's get to our questions. Uh, Alessandro asks, is there a genre that you feel you should get to know better or are curious to explore more? And examples include foreign films, anime, uh, maybe even horror movies for Abe. That's a great question, Alessandro, and I would definitely include horror movies for me. I think that uh, through doing this podcast and also just through being interested in, in how people make movies and, and film, yeah, horror is a genre that I definitely could get more into. I mean, from everything that Aaron has been talking about to friends of the show like Jimmy O, who love horror, I mean, you guys have mentioned some great titles with thematics that are out there, and 
I mean, we were just talking about um, Suspiria, where you guys are saying, like, it's not, it's actually a, a great dance movie, but at the same time, it's got some weird themes to explore. So, um, generally, to answer, though, I think people should actually be watching a little bit more anime. And I'm not saying that because, uh, you know, it's, like, super niche, but because there's actually a lot more story that um, I think people dismiss it as cartoonish. Quite honestly, there's there's a lot more things you can do with with animation than you can do with live action, you know, stunt work or whatever the case. And I think that it really lends itself to having these movies that are really bonkers or out there. You know, I remember watching Akira when I was very young, and I thought to myself, Neo Tokyo is a place that I'm afraid to go to. Um, and I thought like, oh, technology is really really going to take over kind of stuff. And and then it translates on the screen for real live action with stuff like Giant Mnemonic or um, or, or maybe the like ma- the Matrix, the Matrix, yeah. Um, and Speed Racer, yeah, Speed Racer. So <laughs> I, I did, I definitely think that anime is a movie which people don't really think outright is like a genre that that could be thematically adult um, or like Scott Pilgrim. There we go, live action anime. Yeah, but um, I think that there's actually a lot of cool stuff. I and mean, we talked about Wolf Children. That's not a kids movie at all. The Grave of the Fireflies is not a kids movie at all. You know, there's like these really really deep themes that go on. I mean, even stuff like Princess Mononoke, where it is about you know old school feudal Japan type thing. But there's themes about saving the earth. So anime is one that that's a great call, Alessandro. Um that I should personally get to know more like I mean I guess like older musicals like I'm not that's not my like that's not my strongest area as far as like you know obscure facts I can randomly tell you about like older musicals like that's kind of like Mm -hmm. not necessarily a blind spot but like that's not my best genre but like I'm pretty well versed at my most most, I mean I've been exploring more silent film in recent years but even then I still like have a good like variety of knowledge about some of these Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, like it's you know, there's I like there's, it. There's so much stuff out there, so it's like I, I can't. I'm, there. I'm yeah. I'm I'm happy to be well versed in a lot of things, but I'm always happy to learn more as well. So I think the the two examples I think of right off the top of my head that people would enjoy are sure La La Land, um, and also Wally. And you know, you think about these movies where they've been influenced by these older films. Um, so that's a great call. Music, or you say dance, dance musics, or musicals, music, older musicals, older, yeah. older musicals with dance. Yeah. So, good question. The next question from Chris is very related. Is there a topic or a genre that has been missed? Uh, and then he also writes clown love, <laughs> clown love story for Abe. So thanks, thanks, Chris. <laughs> I appreciate that all you guys are like not throwing gifts my way, which super appreciated because I would I would not be able to stomach it, but I that you guys write it, it down. <laughs> But is there a topic or genre that has been missed? Uh, and I'm going to guess missed, meaning it hasn't been done in a while. But what do you interpret that as? No, that's how I see it, too. And, yeah, I mean, musicals are making more of a comeback. Um, I mean, West Side Story is going to be remade, right? Yes, yeah, the Spielberg's working on that. But even in recent – I mean, since Chicago, we've had more musicals than there were a long time before that. I mean, so mm-hmm. you get things like oh, – you mentioned La La Land, but, like, The Greatest Showman just came out. Mary Poppins is coming out very soon, which is a, a musical – uh, the Disney films, there's a number of them have been straight up musicals. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's become more of a thing than there were in a while. And like Westerns still kind of come and go. Um, Westerns are weird because some summer hits, summer misses. Um, I can't yeah, really explain it. Well, I mean, because it's a genre that's been well, 
you know, it's been done to death. So it's like it's neat to see newer filmmakers that approach it in such a way where they can explore the themes in ways that you, you know, that's why you get revisionist westerns and things like that, where they can kind of turn turn heads on how that genre works or even make <laughs> a genre at like a, something like Bone Tomahawk, which is a horror western. So you can kind of t- take it in right. directions or whatnot. Yeah. Or you can, you know, use the Western motifs in a movie that's, you know, in space or something like. So you can, you know, you get something like Firefly or Serenity yeah. the movie. Or that's, yeah, that's or, interesting that you mentioned Firefly and Serenity because my answer, I know that we still have sci-fi, but it feels as though we've kind of been doing the same things in sci-fi. Um, by that I mean we have the Blade Runner world and we have whatever else. But back in 1980, whatever. That was like a different world. I, I, I'm not really seeing sci-fi where we're exploring like maybe maybe um, maybe that one movie by Luc Besson where you'd go to like these different worlds. But oh, Valerian? You know, Valerian, yeah. But I'm curious. Even Blade Runner 2049, which I thought was a great movie. It feels are, you like, say, are you are you saying otherworldly? Is that what you're asking for? No, not otherworldly. But like, what is what is like the edge of the future kind of thing? You know what I mean? Where I'm thinking, like, sure, if I want to bring up a cure again, but uh, at the same so like time, dy- like dystopias or dystopias, or just like, what are some other worlds that we could creatively think about that we haven't explored it? I mean, when you think about um, what's that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie with like Quato? What Total Recall? Total Recall, where it's like, yeah, Mars is like this weird planet that's been inhabited now, and um, or something like, um, I mean, uh, like Interstellar, like puts that to like its extremes. I mean, there's that, that's actually the, the example that I just thought about right now too. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I like what it's doing there, but even something like Moon, where it's like, you're not really sure what time period it is, but it's weird and it's it's kind of out there. I actually like those things. I like I kind of like seeing how creative people can get. You know, you and I talked about um, the Signal too, something like that, where it's like, you know, it kind of plays off of what we might be used to, but it still has like the sci-fi element that is, I haven't really seen in a while where it's like, you should watch um, the endless, which is now on Netflix. And it's okay. very good. Yeah. That, okay. I mean, that's, that's the, you can put that into the, the box that you just checked right there with, um, like strange with, worlds. With, not necessarily. Well, kind of, but like with yeah. the signal where it's grounded in some kind of reality, you're just not quite sure what it is. Right. Um, I'd say I'd recommend the endless, uh, quite okay. Strongly yeah. to you. Cause I think you dig that quite a bit, but yeah, I'll check that out. It's on Netflix. I got I got that Blu-ray to review back in like April or May, and uh-huh. I was like, and like Jim Dee's friend of the show, he's a huge fan of it too. It was just like this is a really solid movie, yeah, uh, with some really neat ideas, and it's made by these two guys. Uh, I think it's Jim, it's Aaron Moorhead, and something. It's, it's two guys, like they did one of the VHS segments back in the day, and they've done oh, like did three, okay, and the, but they've done like three other movies since then. One's called Spring, and the other's called Resolution, and Resolution happens to be set in the same world as the endless you don't need to see one or the other to understand one or the other but there's just like oh that's neat there's a there's a connection between them um, that's appreciated but regardless yeah the endless is their latest film okay um, and if, if you like that i'd say check out their other movies because they just they see they're they're two solid filmmakers i like i'm looking forward to where they're going from here because they've cool. made some good movies so far but the yeah. endless is on it's on netflix now so it's easy to watch cool. um and yeah it kind of fits what you're asking for as far as kind of ambitious ideas for where we can take things inside yeah that that's um, that's that's a great way to categorize it which is like just yeah. weird ambitious ideas and yeah. i'm i'm all about how strange people can get like within the confines of keeping it cohesive and coherent and i'll say as far as topic or genre that's been missed i could use a good undersea movie besides submarines I can't think the widowmaker 
Hunter no. Hunter Killer? Gerard Butler's Hunter Killer? I was saying besides submarine movies. I think oh. there's 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 cool stuff too underwater that we don't do. We do a lot of space and we do a lot of like, you know, other things. It's like it'd be cool to go underwater. I've been saying for years that I think a um a twenty thousand leagues under the sea remake would be awesome. Be great. Given the technology we have today, it's like there's a great movie to make from that. Or something cool like The Abyss. Like not so much like that same story, but yeah, like what like you're saying, things. there's there's things to explore undersea. And which is what Avatar 2 is reportedly going to involve. A lot of the oceans of Pandora. James Cameron's remaking The Abyss? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> it's his movie. <laughs> who better to do it? But I'm saying, like, I mean, that's that's part that's part of why it's taking so long. It's because it's like he wants to do some really creative stuff with, like, water. <laughs> in addition to all the other stuff he's doing. So it's like, I want to know what that looks like. So. I, will, I will also just lastly add, uh, we talked about this just a moment ago, but noir films. Um... You know, we talked about with Burning, but I haven't seen, like, a good, like, Maltese Falcon-type movie in a while. Like, you can't really get those anymore. I think the most recent one might have been L.A. Confidential, which was a oh, throwback. There's plenty, there's plenty of neo-noir out there. A... Neo-noir. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I guess you could say that, you know, if, if that's the case, then Blade Runner 2049 is neo-noir as well. Yeah, it's it's sci-fi noir. That was like the first one. Well, I would say the first the first like Blade Runner one leans on that a, a lot harder than twenty yeah. twenty and forty nine is like way more sci-fi than noir in that one. But it still has the aesthetic because it's uh-huh. a sequel, so it makes sense. Anyway, uh, that's enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Nice touch. Let's yeah. um let's start wrapping things up here. Let's move on to what episodes what's out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, streaming, and everything. Uh, first up is on streaming and or no, sorry, sorry, on uh, Blu-ray and uh, 4K this week is a Mission Impossible Fallout. Go see it; it's fun. Sorry, Mission Colon Dash. Sorry, Mission <laughs> Col- Mission Colon Impossible Dash Fallout. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's it's fantastic. Yes. It's amazing. Um, let's see, The Nun. No, no, <laughs> it, it, it kind of wastes Damien Bashir and uh, uh, Thaisa Farmiga. Thaisa Farmiga, who are pretty good actors. Uh, Operation Finale. This is the one with uh, Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley. I saw this. I wasn't. I wasn't big on it. Okay. Um, it seemed I, like a tense thriller in the, along the lines of um, along the lines of uh, Munich. Yeah, it wishes it was Munich. <laughs> it, it wishes it was half of Munich. First of all, a lot of movies wish they were Munich. <laughs> yeah, they do because they're not as good. That that um, one is is emotionally ambiguous. Yeah. Um, the Happy Time Murders. Uh, remind me of this one. That's the puppet murder. Speaking of neo noir, that's the puppet detective. The Jim. The oh, Brian, the, Brian uh, Henson. Movie. Henson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. was uh, panned. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Routinely <laughs> panned. Uh, let's see. The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Uh, I, it sounds familiar. I'm not sure. That's the one with Chloe Moretz, who's all. And it's also like a gay conversion movie, like the Boy Erased movie that's out right now. Is um, it? Based on what Scott Mendelson said, he's saying that's the superior version, the superior movie of the two, but of these movies. Oh, okay, all right. So, let's see, support the girls. That's with uh, Regina King, who just like won a uh, like best actress. I like the New York Film Critics Circle for that. Okay. Uh, let's see, Pope Francis, a man of his word. Documentary. Oh uh, yeah, Wim Vim Vendor's uh, documentary okay. uh, about Pope Francis. Uh, let's see, Westworld season two. Uh, how many more seasons are they going to do? Unlimited? Or do they have like a, a number? Uh, what's his name? Jonathan Nolan says like, we can do seven seasons of this. That's a lot of seasons. It is, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, 
yeah, I like I like Westworld. I'm like I'm I'm the best viewer of Westworld as far as I casually watch it. I don't care about the theories. I'm just like that's, oh, that was that's an how I am too. <laughs> that was a good episode. Okay, I'll 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 see what happens next week. Like I don't <laughs> I don't read anything further. I don't like subscribe to theories about like who the man in black is. I'm just like okay, good. It's Ed episode. it's Ed Harris. <laughs> <laughs> well, who he really is, Abe. We find out at the end of season one. <laughs> I know. I'm just giving an example. <laughs> Um, let's see, Handmaid's Tale Season 2. Good job on getting Season 2. Yeah, wait, 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 no, they've, they've been going strong. What am I thinking about? Yeah, that's the that's the Hulu show. Yeah. Yeah. The, the highly acclaimed Hulu show. Right, exactly. I was like, I don't know why I'm throwing more praise on a show that's already getting a lot of praise. Let's see, Yellowstone Season 1. Okay. This is the Taylor Sheridan series of uh, Kevin Costner, so obviously I didn't watch it, but I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a lot of Taylor, Taylor Sheridan fans out there, so I'm sure they can enjoy. Cool. Let's see, Castlevania season one. This is the Netflix. I've heard great show. things about this. Yeah, the, it's really good. I really yeah, like the first season. And the second great... season's up now. I only watched the first episode, but I'm like, I'm still. When I watched the first episode of season two, I was like, oh yeah, this is why I like the show. It's really yeah. good. Like, Speaking it's, of it's anime, really well right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the Lion King is on 4K this week. Do you need it to be on 4K? I mean, it'll look amazing. Like, it's not, it, it won't hurt. <laughs> hand, but hand-drawn stuff? I mean, does yeah. it look great on the uh, on their conversion? Yeah, because it'll just, it'll, bri- it'll brighten every, it'll just make all the colors sing in the animation. Like, where animation works well on the, on 4K. On 4K upload, or uh, on re-releases? Yeah. Yeah, animation is rarely a problem on that. Side note, but related, is there a 4K that you think looks amazing um, upon conversion? I, I can't tell you, because I don't have a 4K uh, setup. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just go by what a friend of the show, Brandon Peters, uh, what he does in all his writing about 4K, and you know, Got eventually it. I'll, I'll. But I've heard I'll, there's a number of like ones I've heard like amazing things about, but uh, specifically uh, Blade Runner actually. Uh, the the 2049. No, the original Blade Runner. Oh really? I've heard, I've heard that's like one of like one of the great reasons to get 4K is just to okay. see how great of a job they did on that. And I felt that way with Blu-ray when I got um when uh, when I got North by Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, Airplanes the, in the sky. The conversion of that is like this looks spectacular. This looks like it could have been made yesterday. Like it looks so great on Blu-ray. It's like, oh my god! Like that's this is a, this is what like you can sell players off of this. This is a very <laughs> great movie. <laughs> just me being on the street of like a like a pamphlet. Like yeah, you're just you're, yeah, you've got that. <laughs> Look how these stack up. <laughs> Watch it. Yeah, you're you're trying to do the conversion on the street. I like that. Uh-huh, exactly. That could be your uh, your next side gig. Yeah. All right. Coming to streaming this week on Netflix, we have um, the Lobster. I'm a big fan of. Very fun two thirds. Weird third act. Uh, let's see. Meet Joe Black, which I wrote down just because I'm like, oh, that's on there. That's fun. It's uh, it's the episode or it's the the car uh, hitting sequence that we've exactly. watched on this sh- on the show and talked about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a and song then, that went with that movie? Or no? I don't believe so. Okay, because it was during that time where things were having like Celine Dion sing songs for you know the movie where Elton John. Like, I, I won't deny that there could be a song. I just I can't think of yeah. if there was a specific one. I don't one yeah, I can't either. Yeah, and a Blue Planet season one, uh, which would check it out. Spectacular, yeah. yeah. And on Prime this week, The Marvelous Miss Maisel season two uh, hits Prime. I've heard good things, and it's been it's won a lot of Emmys for season one. Yeah, so the second season, I'd be highly anticipated second season. Yeah, and they, including best actress and best supporting actress. So yeah, there you yeah. go. And uh, a fish called Wanda is on Prime now. A fish called Wanda is on Prime. Yeah. 
we mentioned it a few weeks back because we were making I was making fun of Jay for not getting correct answers on the town the uh, on the on the game. So <laughs> just wanted to throw that in his face because I know he listens. Yeah, and um, all right, well that's what's out now. Let's move on to next week's show. Next week we're going to do a Netflix special. Yes. Uh, there, there's a lot of like you know original films on Netflix, and so we figured why not do like a whole episode where we could talk all about them. So like, you want like, to see some of those names? Yeah, Buster Scruggs obviously is the big one that I want to talk about with you. Um, and um, uh, Andy Serkis's Mowgli movie, mm-hmm. the, his Jungle Book movie, though that comes out next Friday. Um, so I think those two I specifically want to get into because I think there will be a lot of discussion to have from those. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other films in there. Outlaw King, that's from uh, David McKenzie, who did Hell or High Water. It stars Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. It's basically Braveheart 2. Um, still Bravehearting. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, Private Life, that's with uh, Catherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti uh, from a uh, director of Tamara Jenkins. Oh, Paul Giamatti. Uh huh. Family or friend, show, show favorite. Show favorite, Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Maybe we should start changing it to that show favorite. That's that's that show. Really... Well, those are those are like people that we do impressions of. Friends mm-hmm. of the show are like people like uh you know the original friend of the show college or one of the friends Kyle of the show. Yeah. Yeah, one of the original friends of the show Kyle Chandler, but original original friend of the show Will Fickner. Will Fickner, yeah. Yeah. But show favorite does ring off the tongue well. So we show favorite is, is the impression that we do. Morgan Freeman is one of them, mm-hmm. and yeah. so, so is uh, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So those uh, let's see what else there's there's a number of movies out there like 22 july that's the paul greengrass film that i've yet it's already watch. out on um netflix it's been out for like a month and a half like it's been yeah, out that, for a while I, well i thought it was being released uh, in theaters that, that's a depressing movie because if it's about the events that i think about then it's yeah it's 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 why i haven't watched it <laughs> um let's see makes me sad there's uh, the night that the night comes for us which is from the uh, it's it's the team that behind the raid essentially um Including the director, not the director, no, but like his, but like the what's his name, Timo. He like he he co-directed with Gareth Evans. That's the the segment in VHS two. That's insane. Um, And it has, but it has Iko Uwes and the um, the guy that played the police captain in the first raid. Like it has them, and it's just it's nonstop action. That movie, like it's the set pieces are crazy. Uh, what else? The kindergarten teacher with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. That's another one that's on there. So yeah, there's I, a lot. The... Yeah, there, that one actually I saw the trailer for, it and I was like, this is a dark movie. <laughs> and then there's uh, there's the Orson Welles from The Other Side of the Wind, which I have watched as 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 well as uh, They'll Love Me When I'm Dead, which is a documentary about Orson Welles, specifically about his unfinished projects, including The Other Side of the Wind, which was not finished until this year. Okay. Um, so it's like there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, so you know. I've seen a lot of this, Abe. You'll see how much you can watch. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm week. gonna try and consume. Well, the thing is, I'm also trying to consume a lot of things in theaters as well. Um, to be honest with you, I'm trying to use up all my movie pass before uh, I have to give that up, and uh, I also am on a list testing that out. So I definitely want to use that as much as I can. But um, there's still a lot of things in theaters, small movies that I have yet to see, and I would be remiss if I did not see them. Because I want to support these small movies, um, and especially as we get to award season, where things are just going to come piling on for the tentpole movies like Mary Poppins Returns, or like what you mentioned, every two other movies that also come out during that same time period, Aquaman and and uh, something else, Bumblebee. Bumblebee. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that we have to catch up and, on, and Vice, and, 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 and um, I'm sure Ice. Wa- Holmes and Watson. That's coming out this year. 
Yeah, Christmas, that... Christmas Day. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Spider-Man I love, Into I the love... Spider-Verse is two weeks I've from heard now. terrific things. You know, if Bill Street could talk, you know, there's so good. many great things that are coming out. And I'm pretty sure we're going to run into those segments again where Aaron and I just uh, have pop-ins. And we'll, we're going to put those segments together and, and create shows. In the meantime, you will check out some of these Netflix things. Uh, yes. so we can do a show I especially want to see Roma in theaters. That'd be that's a good idea. But yeah, last thing we do here, what should people go and see now? What do you plan to see next, Abe? Uh, I would recommend that you guys go see... Um, I, I really liked uh, Green Book quite a bit, so I would recommend Green Book, yes. And what I'm going to see next, a plethora of things. Uh, yeah, I, if you could if you could find Roma or Buster Scruggs in theaters, I definitely go say see those because they look great on the big screen. Um, Widows and the favorite both very good as well. And Creed two is in wide release. Why not? It's, it's really good. Um, it's it's a and it's a, and Green Book's good too. There's a lot of great things out there. There's a lot of good things out. Yeah, I would just yeah. I don't want to get into it. I, would, I don't want to end on a downer. I just say go see all the good stuff that's out there. There's yeah. a lot of good stuff. Um, I don't know what the, I think Bumblebee might be the next thing. Um, the next screening that you're going to? I think so, yeah, because I've seen yeah. like so much of everything else. Seems like you've uh, seen a lot of everything else that I've already waiting that I'm waiting to see. Yeah, so that might be. And you the might next you thing. might be getting some screeners, so that's good. I've I have like 40 screeners like sitting <laughs> on my table. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Remember, they're DNA coded. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're DNA coded. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. All right. With that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now There and Abe. You can find more of my personal work at my blog, thecodezeek.com, where I have all my written movie reviews and what have you. You can also find me writing mostly at Weekly of Entertainment. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more friends on my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag Kentucky Fried Chicken in Kentucky. In, in Kentucky. Um, and uh, Subsex 40 of the podcast. Give us a, give us a listen. All right. And uh, you can find uh, Scott Menzel, who showed up earlier to talk about Green Book with us at we Live, we, Live, we Live Entertainment. And you can find Terrence Johnson over at Le Noir Auteur. Thanks again to both Scott and Terrence for joining us for those reviews. Yeah, that was a great pop-in. I appreciate you guys coming in. For sure. You can find all the other episodes of our podcast at iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher, as well as everywhere else. Ever, we're on the Google machine. I'm pretty sure we're on... Uh, because we're on the Google machine, I'm pretty sure we're on like Google Podcasts as well. We are Google Podcasts. We're uh, we're also on something called Deezer and something called TuneIn now as well. So, TuneIn, yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there's just We're being... We're not getting enough uh, uh, whatchamacallit checks when, when we go uh, on reruns. <laughs> Residuals. <laughs> Residuals, yeah. Where's where's that friend's money? <laughs> yeah. Uh, e- feel free to email us at unapodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, right on Facebook wall, Facebook.com slash unapodcast, or give us a tweet, twitter.com slash underscore podcast. And of course, send plenty of scary clown gifts to a perfect. No, it's wearing... the holidays. Send me like yeah, warm so... fuzzies. No, you can, I, I was going to say, you can send them scary clown gifts with clowns wearing Santa hats over at unapodcast at How is that better? <laughs> They've still got like fucked up like mentalities that are trying to like kill me. <laughs> I didn't say it had to be better. Oh, okay. <laughs> Devious. But yeah. Uh, well, with all that said, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. So until next time, that's when we go on the old Netflix and see what happens there. That's gonna do it. So until then, so long and goodbye.
I don't know when uh, when uh, Terrence was like it's two and a half hours. I was like maybe I won't watch this period. And also there's just Aaron is watching that this movie. Well, the Aaron said the physicalness, the physical. I guess it's not really gore, but there's what I perceive gore. Is there physical gore? Then I'm not. I'm not done with Suspiria. <laughs> it's gonna make me queasy. 